0: This program is brought to you by Bible Way Media, a work of the Ulaga Church of Christ. When you think about the word brave, what comes to your mind? We think about sometimes perhaps soldiers who go into battle being brave. We think about different Bible characters, uh, various times, some who we'll talk about this morning who are brave. But the Bible talks about brave uh, in several different ways. The word "brave" can actually be translated "quit you like men." In fact, in King James, that phrase is often put in place of the word "brave." "Quit you like men," which means to make a make a man of, or to or make brave, uh, make brave to show oneself a man, to be brave. Now, when we talk about brave this morning, while well, this is spoken of here as acting like acting like a man, we will apply this today as being strong unafraid and in many places acting mature and know that all these are rare today so we're going to apply this across the board we understand that throughout the bible we find not only men here are brave but also women here are brave as well so we want to begin this morning by looking at or first answering this question how does one show themselves to be brave how can we show that we are brave and we're not talking about going out and being brave in some physical battle. We're talking about as a Christian, how can we show ourselves to be brave? One can show themselves to be brave by obeying God's commands. This may sound like, well, that doesn't sound very brave, but it is. We think about the world around us, and we can say that no matter what point in time we are living, it is never easy to be a Christian. If we are following God's Word, we are truly doing what the Bible says, it's going to require us to be brave people. In Exodus chapter 3, in verse 10, we find that God called Moses to go to Pharaoh. And no doubt when Moses is to go to Pharaoh, it's going to require him being very brave. This Pharaoh was a leader. Anytime you deal with leaders, especially when you talk about in the Bible, it's not always guaranteed that those individuals are going to be good people, to use that term. In Exodus 3, verse 10, hear the Lord speaking. He says, Come now, therefore, I will send you to Pharaoh, that you may bring my people the children of Israel out of Egypt. That would require them leaving, coming out under the hand of Pharaoh, who he was being sent to. We look at Exodus chapter 4, and looking at, before we get there, actually, we look at the very next verse, verse 11, we find that Moses basically says that he is not the person for this. He says there in verse 11, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and that I should bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? He's saying, I'm not the one you want to go and to do this. And if you fast forward, like I just mentioned a moment ago, in Exodus chapter 4, we find the same idea. We find that Moses, like we were talking about a little bit this morning in Bible class, was making some excuses. He says in verse 1 here in Exodus chapter 4, he says, suppose they will not believe me or listen to my voice. Suppose they say, the Lord has not appeared to you. Suppose they just deny everything I say and say, no, that's not right. You ever been in that situation when you're literally holding a Bible verse and someone says, no, that's not right. That's what Moses is basically saying. What if they hear the truth and they just say, no, that's not the case. No, that really isn't what God, God never really appeared to you. That's what Moses is talking about there in verse 1. He goes on to say here in verse 10, we're going to be just talking about some of the things he uses to reply to God with because God has an answer for every single one of these situations. In fact, you read Exodus chapter 4, verse 1 and following, Moses makes a statement kind of complaining and trying to give an excuse, and God answers and gives him a way to still accomplish his task, because Moses was, no doubt, very afraid at this this moment. Looking at verse 10 of Exodus 4, Then Moses said to the Lord, O my Lord, I am not eloquent, neither before nor since you have spoken to your servants. But I am slow of speech and slow of tongue." And he says something uh, very similar here in just a moment. It's interesting that Moses says this because looking for us, looking back today, you've probably heard me say this before. Moses does a lot of speaking for a guy who is slow of speech. He does a lot of talking for a guy who is slow of tongue there in verse 10, doesn't he? And so he is saying this because he believes he's not a good speaker. Well, for honest, a lot of people would say, well, join the club. I don't feel that way either. But that wasn't something that God was allow him to use as a way to get out of his duties and his uh, obeying God's commands. In verse 13, Moses finally says, "Oh Lord, please send by the hand of whomever else you may send. He didn't sound very brave in Exodus, did he? He didn't sound very... uh, He didn't sound like, as the term would imply, he didn't sound very much like a true, strong man. But what we know... As we continue to read from Exodus moving forward, we learn that Moses really turns a page, doesn't he? He not only becomes a, or not only does he become a great leader for God, but he becomes a very strong one. As we saw this morning there in Numbers as well, as he was going to struggle at times, but he was still going to follow God. Moses here, though, was not being very brave, and so we think about his reaction. We want to look at this and say that we want to make sure we never respond in such a way. That when we find opportunities to serve the Lord, and that's what Moses is being given here, an opportunity to serve God, that we don't find ourselves ending up saying just send someone else. In fact, going back to Exodus 3 and verse 11, Moses first said pretty much the same thing, I'm not the person for this, right? And here now in Exodus 4, he says just send someone else. Moses doubted his own ability, but ultimately he would obey God in this position of being a leader. One also, though, can show themselves to be brave when you are outnumbered. We want to be those who follow God's commands and not make excuses like Moses, but we also want to be those who follow God's commands when you feel like we're the only ones who are trying to do what is right. We look at 1 Kings chapter 18, looking at verse Verse 22. Elijah here says in verse 22, he says, I I alone am left a prophet of the Lord, but Baal's prophets are 450 men. He's saying that he is outnumbered there in verse 22. That's putting it mildly, isn't it? At 450, and he says, I'm the only prophet left of the Lord. We continue reading there in verse 23 and 24. We find that, Despite being, despite being greatly outnumbered, what happens? He goes He makes a challenge before them all. He may have been outnumbered, but he knew how to deal with that situation, didn't he? So no matter if it was one person, you know, one-on-one, if it was 400, perceivably, to one, he knew how to handle it. And think about this for a second. When, when he says this there in verse 22, was he actually alone? Now, he says he's the only prophet of the Lord that's left, but Elijah, we will to understand, was not truly alone, was he? The Lord was with him. And we continue reading in verse 23, that fact comes out in a very big way with that conquest, con, uh, or contest, rather, we have there on, on Mount Carmel. And he tells him to go, if you remember that occasion, he tells him to go and get some bulls and goats. Everybody's going to make an altar. The first God answers by fire. That's the true God. We're not going to read through all that, but we know how that ends, don't we? He waited all day for their so-called God to respond. It got to the point he even began to mock them a little bit until he finally built a trench around the altar he built for the Lord, poured water all over it several times, prayed to God once. Do you remember how many times those prophets of Baal danced and cut themselves and shouted? The Bible says until noon, <clears throat> and then he told them, "Shout a little bit louder." Maybe he's asleep. Right? Elijah prayed one time, and God responded. The Bible says by fire and destroyed all of that. Elijah was not alone. The numbers for Elijah during that on that occasion did not matter, nor would it ever. Numbers were not a factor on Mount Carmel that day. They're still not a factor today. It doesn't matter who is against us, how many there may be. It never matters. You go back to Noah there in the book of Genesis. Seemingly, the entire world literally was a complete contradiction to him. That's why only eight souls were saved by water back in Genesis, right? Because everyone else, their thoughts, the Bible says, their thoughts are only evil continually. Again, he was grossly outnumbered. We also find, if we look at Exodus chapter 32, and I mentioned this this morning, but I said the wrong chapter then. But Exodus 32, looking at verses 1 and 2, we find what happens again, at this time, the opposite side of it, when sometimes we are outnumbered. Looking at Exodus 32, verses 1 and 2, Now when the people saw that Moses delayed coming down from the mountain, the people gathered together to Aaron, and said to him, Come, make us gods, That shall go before us. As for this Moses, the man who brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we do not know what has become of him. And Aaron said to them, Break out, break off the golden earrings which are in the ears of your wives, your sons, and your daughters, and bring them to me. No hesitation in verse two. If you want to see someone buckle under the numbers, Aaron in Exodus thirty two was a great example of it. He didn't even hesitate. They say there in verse 1 that Moses was the, del- that Moses, they don't know what has become of him there in verse 1, right? That's how they end that statement there in verse 1. First, the people came to him, which implies a, a multitude of people came to him, right? And we find there in verse, verse 1, come make us gods, plural. They miss the fact that there's only one God and Moses is on the mountain, literally talking to him at that moment they wanted multiple gods who were going to lead them out of who had, they were put there before them because Moses was delayed there in verse one. But Aaron in verse two was not a brave man. He was a coward. Wasn't he? You think God would have been with, with Aaron, just like he was with Moses. If Aaron had responded differently in verse two, what if Moses would, or what if Aaron would have said, uh, no, we're not doing that. You know where Moses is. He's speaking literally to God right now. We're not making gods because there is only one. You know, on and on it goes, right? He could have said all those things, but he didn't. Instead, he was not brave in verse 2. We find when Aaron, when Moses comes down from the mountain, when Moses questions Aaron, do you remember what Aaron said to him about the fire and the, and the calf? He said, I just threw it in and it, all the gold and it just popped out. You know, the Bible never says about people's Body language sometimes in the Bible? You think Moses rolled his eyes when Aaron said that? I kind of envision that. Like, really, you think he's gonna buy that? Not only does Moses not believe that, God definitely doesn't believe that. But Aaron was an example of, of being a coward, at least on this occasion here in Exodus 32. He was anything but brave. We must be like Elijah there on the mountain, who do not who are not afraid despite the numbers. We must learn from Moses' mistakes and not make excuses when it comes to taking advantage of opportunities that are presented to us. We must be strong and we must not fear. As we go back to Deuteronomy chapter 31, looking at verse 6 here, this won't be on the screen, but look at verse 6 of Deuteronomy 31. Here the Bible says, Be strong and of good courage, not fear, nor be, be afraid of them. For the Lord your God, he is the one who goes with you. He will not leave you nor forsake you. They're speaking to Moses. Here, verse 7: Moses speaks to Joshua. The Bible says, The Moses called Joshua and said to him, In the sight of all Israel. What does that mean? In the sight of all Israel? It means everybody was present when Moses was speaking to Joshua what's interesting, he doesn't just tell Joshua to be of good courage and tell him what he's going to do. He actually really implies here in verse 7 that it's not going to be easy. He says there in verse 7, Be strong and of good courage, for you must go with this with this people, the land which the Lord has sworn to their fathers. You must go with this people. He doesn't pay them a compliment compliment by just saying this people. He didn't say you must go with the Lord's people. You must go with the Lord's chosen people. He just says you must go with this people because did Moses know how troublesome Israel could be? Definitely. And we find here in verse 7, he says, Be strong and of good courage, for you must go with this people, the land which the Lord has sworn to their fathers to give them, and you shall cause them to inherit it. If you cause someone to inherit it, it means you push them forward to do something. And what was he going to do? He's gonna push them forward to the promised land. Because there are gonna be times they didn't want to go. Moses knew that firsthand. Let's just go back. Because after all, like we talked about this morning, they were tired of the manna. They were afraid, they feared that the Lord had brought them out of Egypt just to die in the desert. In verse 8, he says here, "In the Lord, He is the one who goes before you. He will be with you. He will not leave you nor forsake you. Do not fear nor be dismayed. What does it mean to be strong? How do we become strong in a spiritual sense? We, well, first we we'll realize that knowledge makes one strong. Knowledge makes one strong. 2 Timothy 3, beginning in verse 14. Here, the Apostle Paul speaking to Timothy, he says, But you must continue in the things which you, have heard, which you have learned and been assured of, knowing from whom you have learned them, and that from childhood you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation. What makes him wise for salvation? The Scriptures that make him wise and make him strong. Because if you know the Scriptures that make you wise unto salvation, that means you get to, you know how you should live and how you ought to act. And how you, what, how you shall obey God's commands so you can go to heaven. Therefore, it makes you wise. Doesn't it make you also spiritually strong that you know how to get to heaven? Which are able to make you wise for salvation through the faith which is in Christ Jesus. All scriptures given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, and for instruction in righteousness, that a man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. God's Word makes us strong because He gives us what we need. We see there in verse 17. We can be strong because we know what, what we ought to be doing. He says there in verse 17, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped, or thoroughly furnished. That is, we have everything we need from God's Word. We become stronger people because of that. Knowledge makes one strong. Loyal faith also makes one strong. 2 Timothy 1 verse 13 says, Hold fast a pattern of sound words. Hold fast to it. It makes you strong. That loyal faith. Hold fast is loyalty to the truth and requires one to be brave. How much bravery did it take for Elijah on the top of the mountain to challenge 450 people to test if their God was even real? That takes bravery, doesn't it? How brave Moses had to be when he came off the mountain and saw Aaron and all those other other individuals acting foolishly. It took bravery, didn't he? But both individuals were brave for God. Holding fast a pattern of sound words, holding fast to God's Word, being loyal to Him, takes bravery. Because the world says we don't need God or His Word. But we know the world is very wrong on both of those things. Do not fear Christians should not fear man. We look at Isaiah 41 and verse 10. He says, Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. That sounds a lot like Deuteronomy, doesn't it? It sounds a lot like what God told Joshua in Joshua chapter 1, doesn't it? We find those phrases, those words repeated several times throughout the Bible because they're true. The Christian has no reason to fear. He says here in verse 10, fear not. This is God speaking for I am with you. Be not dismayed. You ever grown frustrated? That's what I think about when thinking think of that word dismayed. Don't know what to do. What's going on just has you totally blown away. And he says here in verse 10, don't be afraid. Fear not. And he says, be not dismayed. Don't become discouraged and downtrodden because of those around us and their actions. He says why there in verse 10, he says, For I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Notice how many times the word I is used there in verse 10 with reference to God. It's God who's doing it every single time, not mankind. God is the source. God was the one who is with him. God was the one who would not give him reason enough to be afraid or dismayed. God would be—he would be there. His God there in verse ten. He will strengthen him. He will help him. He will uphold him there in verse ten. God, God, God. Same book, different chapters. Isaiah fifty-one, verse twelve. I, even I, am He who comforts you. Who are you that you should be afraid of a man who will die and the son of, and the son of a man who will, who will be made like grass? Now, he says, Who are you that you should be afraid of a man, of a human being who is not eternal, who is going to die? He says, Why are you afraid of, that, of a person? Who are you that you should be afraid of a man who will die and of the son of a man who will be made like grass? What is he trying to tell him to do? Don't fear mankind. Instead, fear him. He says in verse 12, I, even I, am he who comforts you. The man who will be like grass, there is no comfort in him, no lasting comfort, and there is no reason to fear such a man. The Christian, we find, is encouraged to only fear God. If you look at Ecclesiastes twelve, thirteen, and 14, he tells us us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God. And keep his commandments. And notice, for this is man's all. When we ask ourselves and we find our friends asking the question, what do we need to do today? How and what does God require of us to fear him and to keep his commandments? He says, for this is man's all. And he tells us again why there in verse 14 for God will bring every work into judgment, including every secret thing, whether good or evil. You know, just because something doesn't get posted on social media doesn't mean it didn't happen, right? Just because we don't tell people doesn't mean it didn't happen. Just because we did it in our closet doesn't mean it didn't happen. These secret things we find here in verse 14 cannot be hidden from God. That's why we repent of those things and make ourselves right before God because on the day of judgment, we don't want those things being held against us. We want them off the table, so to speak. Because God will bring every work into judgment, including every secret thing, whether good or evil. Some lessons for us today. The Christian must be brave. It's not an option. We have to be brave. We can't be cowards. We can't be those who are afraid of others. We can't be those who are afraid to stand up and live as the Bible says we ought to live. Even though the world around us is so very confused. I was in a gas station down here just, I think it was last week, waiting in line. And a person in front of me, what I thought was a man was holding a purse. Well, I don't mean holding a purse. I mean he was holding his wife's purse. He was using a purse. And when he left, two guys behind me said, was he really using a purse? Yeah. Because that's the kind of world we live in today. The Bible has responses to that as well, doesn't it? It's called an abomination not talking about simply being nice and holding someone's purse. We're talking behaving like a person of the opposite sex when you are not. The Bible condemns such things. We must be those who are brave enough to stand up and live and talk and act like a Christian. Bravery is a must for the Christian. Without bravery, everyone can falter under pressure and return to a way of life that, that only results in death. Romans chapter 6, verse 23, for the wages of sin is death. The wages of sin, the cost of living that sinful life, it will cost you your eternal soul. The wages of sin is death. The Christian must be brave because the world needs brave Christians. The world needs us to be a light in the darkness around us, don't we? Numerous phrases have been used to describe the importance of light over darkness, but we find one also in Matthew chapter five, verses fourteen and fifteen, because it will be impossible to be a light for the world if we hide away from them. Matthew five fourteen and fifteen says, "You are the light of the world. A city that is set on the hill cannot be hidden. Nor did they light a lamp and put it under a basket." But on a lampstand and he gives light to all who are in the house. We cannot be a Christian if we go out and we hide away from the world, if we do never speak up, if we never give comments when comments are needed. We never take opportunity to say the truth, even though those around us may very well hate it with every fiber of their being. You look there at Matthew five verse fifteen, what is the point of lighting a lamp and then hiding it? It doesn't do any good, does it? I mean, how many times have we lit a lamp and then threw a blanket over it because we don't want the light out, but we want the lamp on? We never do that. It doesn't make any sense. And that's the idea there in verse fifteen. It makes no sense to be a Christian and then to hide away from others around us. We must be a light in the darkness. The Christian is also called to be different, to be righteous, to show God's righteousness in our own lives, so they can also be seen. By others, it's not just by what we say, but also by what we do. First Peter four, verse four says, "In regard to these, I think it's strange that you do not that you do not run with them." He goes on to say all the different things they do. They think it's strange that we don't live and act like everybody else. The Christian isn't supposed to. If you stand a Christian next to a worldly person, you can't tell the difference. There's a problem with that, isn't there? That's what we found here in verse four. Let them think that you're strange. Because let's be honest, who really cares what the world thinks anyway? We shouldn't. It's amazing what the world calls strange, what the world calls normal, isn't it? We are are strange in the fact that we do not act like everybody else, or we shouldn't. The Christians, a Christian is called to be different, to be righteous, and to show God's righteousness in our own lives. Which brings us to our conclusion this morning. Are you willing to be brave, to be the brave person God's Word tells you to be? Are we willing to be that brave person? You know, if we're honest, we've only talked about just the tip of the iceberg of what it means to be brave, but we are very much needed to be those brave people, to be different, to have those, to allow ourselves, be looked at in a funny way, let people make little sots, snide comments about us. Let them do it. At least they know where you stand. At least they heard, at least for a moment, a Bible truth and saw someone defend it. Because that's what God wants to see, isn't it? Elijah was outnumbered. You think he heard people mocking him? Those other 450 people, I think they were quiet, saying, let's all be quiet and let's just see what happens? No. The people of this world have a big mouth many times, don't they? But friends, if we're honest, we need to make sure we have an answer when they get bold that we too respond in a bold Christian manner. And we do so using God's Word as our guide. We can see the importance of being a brave Christian when we consider the world around us. The world around us, as we very well know, needs Christians. Some might say now more than ever. I think we can say that anytime we want it, couldn't we? You think Noah felt the world needed God now more than ever? <laughs> you think Lot felt that way? No. On and on the list goes, right? The world always needs God. But the world also needs to see God in us and how we talk and how we live. So let's be those who have enough courage, who are brave enough to act like the Christians we are claiming to be. So we can help others around us see the truth of God's word and come to obedience of it. This morning, as you think about these things, the Bible tells us what we must do in order to have eternal life. The Bible tells us we must hear the Word of God. And upon hearing the Word of God, we must uh, believe that Christ is the Son of God. we find there in the book of Romans and also there in Acts chapter 2. They heard God's Word, they believed, then they repented their sins, they confessed Christ. There in Acts chapter 2, all throughout the book of Acts and throughout the New Testament, we find individuals. Took certain steps. They heard. They believed. They repented. They confessed. They were baptized. Acts two thirty eight, Acts chapter eight, and on and on the list goes. We find individuals were baptized for the remission of their sins, and at the same time, they're added to the body of Christ. Galatians three verse twenty seven. That's how we begin to become a brave Christian. But if we are not brave as we as we are called to be from God's word, if we be a have falter in that way, you can confess those things to God. And the Bible tells us He is faithful and just to forgive us of those things and cleanse us from all unrighteousness, 1 John 1, verse 9. We hope you enjoyed this program. We encourage you to subscribe to our podcast on Pandora, Spotify, or Podbean. Thanks for listening.